0: Tonight on This Is Vinyl Tap, songs about desks and bathtubs, monkeys stealing songs, what's the loneliest number, and everybody's talking at you.
1: Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words they're saying. Only the echoes of my mind.
2: In 1948, Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM long player record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice, only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This podcast believes every album tells a story. Tonight, we tell one of those stories.
0: Hello, Tapsters. I'm Jonathan Rowe, your humble producer, but uh, tonight I'm actually hosting This Is Vinyl Tap. And uh, as usual, I'm joined by our host, Doug Cooper.
2: Thank you so much for the break.
0: (laughs) And our co-host, Tony Slagle. Howdy, y'all. And tonight, we're actually coming to you live from the Rune Saloon in the great city of Austin, Texas.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, and it We is, get to do lots of horn noises do, tonight. Yes.
0: It's not only are we in Austin, Texas, a great city, but uh the weather here was why you live in this city. It was an absolutely gorgeous day today. Today it was,
3: considering it was pushing yeah. 100 yeah, yesterday. Yeah, pushing 100 yesterday. <laughs> Yeah. That's an um, iron
2: hat.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you
2: know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for our Canadian our, listeners. Yeah. We're not we're not in the interior of the, the sun. Um, things have been a little bit odd for us here at This Is Vinyl Tap. Um, it's kind of knocked us off our usual schedule, but it looks like we're back into the swing of things. So uh, we
2: appreciate your patience with us. And those of you who hung on during the Gap and downloaded Neil Young over and over again, we thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Uh, So tonight we're looking at an album that was made back in 1968. I was one years old when this album was... uh, I was zero years old. Tony, the man who picked this album, was actually not even born yet. Um, And I was a numb. Yeah. (laughs) But this is an album who's made by a man who's had a very interesting career in the music business. Um, he didn't take a path that a lot of his fellow musicians took, especially in popular music. Um, we're talking about Harry Nilsson, and I believe this is his third album, Aerial Ballet. Yeah, is that his, correct? S-
3: his second on RCA, but his, technically, his third his, his third third, technically his third album. Technically yeah. his third album, right.
0: Um, as I mentioned earlier, this is actually picked by our co-host Tony Slagle, so I'll start off how we usually start the show off, uh, by asking Tony, why do you believe this album is an album worthy of our listeners' attention?
2: <laughs> Surprised by the question, Surprised Tony? by the question. I, I, I am. I wasn't expecting That's a why a, question. That is uh, surprising <laughs> as
3: uh, the fact that this is your pick. Mm-hmm. Um uh, it may surprise you guys to know that I'm fairly new to Harry Nielsen, maybe in the last four to five years. Hmm. Um, that being said, probably every band I really like is influenced by him in one way or another. Every pop band I like. Uh, yeah. I When I started getting into him, and I don't know if this is a typical thing with people when they discover Harry Nielsen, but I became obsessed about him i wanted to know everything about musically about the guy there's some real misses but when he hits like he does i believe on this album it's it's pretty special yeah um i this album i feel is fairly characteristic of his early career um i i am interested to see what doug has to say because i don't think we've dealt with an album that has that issue that doug talks about so frequently as much as this one does which is the lyrics not matching the music
0: yeah i I think (laughs) you're right because this
3: is a deceptively upbeat album in a lot of ways but once you take a closer look (laughs) the lyrics are anything but happy for the most part yeah case in Um, point the opening tune the opening tune yeah um it's my favorite album of his i I know you know people talk about nielsen Nielsen schmilson being a masterpiece and it's a fantastic album
1: Got to get up, got to get out, got to get home before the morning comes. What if I'm late? Got a big day, got to get home for the sun comes up. Up in a way, got a big day, so can't stay.
3: But I find his earlier stuff for me my taste more compelling. I love this album. I love the album that came after this, the Harry album. Mm-hmm. Um I just find I find what he's doing here to just really be, be something that's um, Enjoyable for me On so many different levels You know And there's also We talk about this a lot Why we don't always go For the big album Because you can get That information everywhere And there are some Great songs on that Nielsen Schmilson album The opener Gotta Get Up Is for one Fantastic And it's got his Biggest hit ever on it That Bad Mirror cover Of Without You Yeah I can't live If living is without you But it's also got the coconut song, which... <laughs> <laughs> we'll get, I, I, I kind of like that song. Uh, so did a lot of people. Yeah. I think it, it was a top 10 tune. Put the lime in the coconut, you drag and up. Put the lime in the coconut, you drag and
1: up. Put the lime in the coconut, you called your doctor, woke him up said, Doctor, ain't
3: there nothing I can take? I
1: said, Doctor,
3: to relieve his ache. I said, doctor. um but this album feels significantly more cohesive to me than that album does. Um, it also features two of his most recognizable tunes. Sure. Uh, one that was a cover that he did of, um, a Fred Neal song, everybody's talking, which was the theme to the night cowboy. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the song he wrote one, which was covered later by three, I think a year after this album by three dog Mm night. And it's, and and one thing I just want to mention here is the, one of the odd things about Harry Nielsen is his career has this weird, weird dichotomy where, People have bigger hits with songs he wrote, and he has bigger hits with songs that other people wrote. It's <laughs> yeah, very strange. It's very strange. He never had, other than Coconut, yeah. he never had a big hit by one of his songs. But he had monster hits by songs that other people wrote, yeah. and then other people took his songs and made monster hits out of them. Yeah. So it's one just,
2: of the reasons for that is <clears throat> this is a weird. This is a weird situation. You have a very good very talented songwriter and an extraordinary singer yeah in one package so he can improve a song by singing by singing it
4: mm-hmm.
2: and he can write things that uh other people are going to make into hits uh they, you know that the only i've tried to think about other guys with such great voice and such good songwriting talent and I thought uh, about uh, Neil Diamond was a
3: little bit that way. And, but, and, he, and he's yeah. got a lot in common with Neil Diamond early on in terms of what was going on with his career. Um, not maybe Writing not for some, the monkeys, being well. What? <laughs> just writing for other people, but yeah, the monkeys yeah. in general, but, and not to the same level. You know the only person, you're probably going to laugh when I say this, the only person I, c- I compare him to that where I think is somebody who's got an amazing voice and somebody who can write the kind of songs he writes together is McCartney.
2: I actually have who, I, I, who, Which one of us Was supposed to laugh I don't know I, I, just I, I think favorite. the
0: exact same thing To me This is He's Some of the songs On this album I mean That's one of the things I was going to say He McCartney kind of takes He Takes a lot of inspiration From the great American songbook You know, He does And, and he does. Some of the songs That people kind of malign Like Martha My Dear When I'm 64
4: If
1: I'd been out Till quarter to three Would you lock the door Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I'm 64.
0: Um, those are actually some of my
3: favorite McCartney me too. tunes. Me too. Well,
2: anybody that doesn't like when I'm 64 are
3: yeah, a horrible different. person. Yes. I agree, Doug. Horrible person. <laughs> yeah.
0: And there's some influence. You can tell that you, I don't know who necessarily was influencing <laughs> whom, but there was, I
3: think it was going, going both ways. I yeah, mean, it's obvious, they're... obvious the Beatles were a big influence on this guy. Um, I, I had something funny happen
2: today. Um, I'll, I'll talk about my, uh, Nielsen, uh, history a little bit later, but I was familiar with, uh,
3: pandemonium, pandemonium
2: shouter show. Uh, and I mean, I listened to it for, for a long time ago and then all the time, but listening to this album, I kept thinking about this sounds like McCartney and it sounds like, uh, Sergeant Peppers McCartney, and it sounds like she's leaving home.
4: She, we
1: gave her most of our lives. Mm -hmm. She's leaving, sacrificed most of our lives. Mm -hmm. We gave her everything money could buy. She's leaving home after.
2: And then today i listened to that just I realized my... there was the, yeah. the oh the, <laughs> he that, <laughs> covers that
3: <laughs> pretty pretty straightforward cover yeah. on that album of yeah. she's leaving home we, uh, we gave,
1: we gave her most, me of, me our me me most me of our lives sacrificed most of our lives we gave her
2: everything money a lot of these songs remind me of McCartney, and mm-hmm. uh, the funny thing is, I guess he was much closer to Lennon.
3: Uh, yeah, I've yeah. he, I, I heard described. So he he was he was friends with friendly with all the Beatles, but I heard it described this way: um, he and Lennon were drinking buddies. He and Ringo were like best friends. Yeah, and he and McCartney were business associates. Like Which they, probably
2: it's a reflection of all three of their uh,
3: personalities. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah but i um, believe
2: he was in ringo's wedding or ringo was his, his ringo his
3: was wedding. his best man i don't know if it was reciprocated the other way yeah, oh but crap. um yeah as yeah.
2: long as one of them's right and i'm not <laughs> making stuff up
3: no you're not making it up
0: yeah so, and he and uh lennon had notoriously what was that year 1975 which is something yeah like the bacchanalia fest
3: well there's a lot of things to say about John Lennon that aren't positive. And one of the things to say in relationship to this gentleman we're talking about tonight is he's at least partially responsible for Harry Nielsen killing his voice. Um, Yeah. You know, and we'll get to that story later,
0: but who killed uh, Lennon's, (coughs) but uh, yeah, that means the guy was immensely talented and, And, um, and
3: seemingly talented in a way that seemed effortless.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it, it almost like he. It was just like, everything
2: he was doing yeah. was just so easy for him. His yeah, it, singing, it sounds like his singing yeah, sounds so effortless. It's, stream of consciousness, yeah. The piano throwing out rhymes, yeah. But maybe this is a good time
4: for. <laughs>
2: All right, guys. We're going to play a quick game of connections. All right, all and right. Uh, there's some extremely obvious ones on this album, and yep. uh, the subtle ones I, I I haven't thought of. So, uh, Jam, you're going to go first this evening. All How right, give us a connection to previous albums we've discussed. On this fine show. Okay, I'm
0: going to go with the obvious one. Jim Gordon is the drummer on this album.
2: Oh,
3: who, and, and who
0: is I, Jim Gordon the drummer for? He has played with us on several albums that we've talked about, most notably, perhaps, Derek and the Dominoes. And Alone Together. And Alone Together, yeah. By Dave Mason. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he's he was kind of the go-to drummer of the uh, 1970s, I would say. All right, there's
3: others I could go, but go ahead.
2: Well, we're going to let Tony play, James. Well, if that's okay. all right. I'll, he, I'll, Nazi, I'll, do, uh, I'll
3: do the. <laughs> I'll do the other obvious one. I, I have I have a couple that are kind of in my back pocket, but the other obvious one is that Nielsen's biggest single was a cover without you, which was a Badfinger song, that's and right. we talked that's about that. Um, when we Anything about else uh,
2: remind you of Badfinger? <laughs> I thought the flirtation with the. Uh, With the Beatles, and uh, from the Beatles. And I thought, when you're watching his life go by, you're saying, don't sign with Apple. Don't sign with (laughs) Apple. And I don't mean a computer company, by the way. Yeah. All Um, right, back to you, J.M.
0: Well, there's several members of the the Wrecking Crew on this album. Uh, Probably the guy... we We have never talked about this guy, but I think we do need... Chances are, if you have an album from the 1970s, going into the 80s. It could be a jazz album. It could be, uh, you know, if, if you've got that California sound, Mamas and the Papas, this guy has played on so many albums. His name is Milt Holland. He was a percussion major, uh, and he started off on tablas, of all things, but he can play just about every percussion instrument that you can find. Plus, he's a pretty good piano player, but he has played with just, on so many albums and I'm sure he's played on albums that we've we've talked about before, but I he he was a member of the Wrecking Crew, a long time member of the Wrecking Crew.
2: Was that Valley uh Laura Laurel, can- Laurel Canyon. 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 Yeah, yes, thank it's you. It's a can- canyon not a valley. Yeah, it's a canyon well, same thing. This is uh this is this is vinyl tap. We don't cut corners like that, Mr. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we get our valleys and canyons figure uh, out. Uh yeah. All
3: right. Do you want, want one from me? Yes, yeah. sir. Uh Led Zeppelin.
2: Yep I'm gonna just say yep But I can't think of it
3: So the very last Yardbird single Was Ten Little Indians Which is the first song (laughs) On uh, Pandemonium Shadow Show I didn't know that Which is a Harry Nielsen song
1: Ten little Indians Standing in a line One stood looking at another man's
3: Yeah. Sarah Harry Nielsen album, yep. yep. And uh, Jimmy Page. It was a Jimmy Page-era Yardbird single, so. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Well, I, I've got some deep ones. There, who's a, yeah, uh, who's
0: the bass player on out? Somebody that we've talked about before
3: as well. Larry Netchel? Yes, Larry Netchel. Who plays on Alone Together and yeah. a couple other things. Right.
0: Larry Netchel, who uh, was a member of the Wrecking Crew as a keyboardist, but also a, occasionally a bass player. Uh, he plays bass. He plays the electric bass on this. Another guy uh, by the name of Lyle Ritz um,
3: played the upright, and he played with Towns. Is well, that right? Yep. Really. Sounds intense. So there's another there's connection. Another connection. Wow. Well, there's there's
2: one more big one that that's still hanging out there. A big fat slow ball over the place. Uh,
3: is it the Randy Newman? Randy collection? Newman. Randy collection. Newman. Collection. Yeah, collection, uh, yeah, Nielsen did a uh, right. his uh, his fifth LP was a collection of Randy Newman songs called Nielsen Sings, Sings, Sings. Newman. Yeah, they were very good friends <laughs> as well. They yeah, should... there's there's this great interview with Randy Newman where he's talking about how the two of them seem to be from a different sort of branch of the Homo Sapien. Mm-hmm. He goes the, when the two of them got together, it was almost like, and this makes me happy, it was almost like the Rolling Stones never existed. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kind of music <laughs> they were making. <laughs> Um, but, uh, how about this one? Jerry Jeff Walker. Hmm. And this is actually oh, two for Jerry that. Jeff Walker and King Curtis, which would get us to Aretha did Franklin. Did he
2: do, uh, Mr. Bojangles? They
3: both, King Curtis and, uh, Harry Nielsen did. both did Mr. Bojangles. So Anytime
2: someone brings up, uh,
3: Jerry Jeff, it's Mr. Mr. Bojangles, Bojangles. is a pretty good guess because yeah, everybody did that, so.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, how about this? Mike uh, Melvo- Melvoline I don't know how you say his last name Yeah, he was a wrecking crew guy too, wasn't he? Yes, and he also pl- was responsible for the orchestral arrangements on The Heart of Saturday Night
1: <laughs> You do crazy things when we're wounded insane I don't want you Catching your death The cold out walking
2: so, well, there you. Who are. can uh, who can describe the uh, Wrecking Crew for anyone that might be new in the shortest possible words?
0: <clears throat> the Wrecking Crew, talented. Very, yeah, <laughs> they were pretty much they session backed, guy. <laughs> they backed more um, session, or they were the session band that backed more people on the West Coast than probably just about any other band. Be, uh, Beach Boys, Monkeys, Sinatra, Sinatra. Carpenters, um, going, yeah.
2: there, all those, all those big bands all and, the, yeah. and ones that, uh, you'd be surprised to find out about later. Uh, that was the wrecking crew. Uh, yeah. They're just a bunch of extraordinary, talented musicians that, uh, I think they, uh, what they were, Sonny and Cher, too. Yeah, Sonny was. and Cher. Yeah, Sonny. They would and- make people's songs into hits with yeah. little ditties, and yeah. uh, they didn't get credit for any of that stuff. Sonny Bono, recently. I
0: think, kind of took, he 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 and Phil Spector were working together, and I think that uh, Sonny Bono went the West Coast route, and uh, Phil Spector went the, the East Coast route. I've, yep.
2: So I've got, I've got I one more. Quickly. Um, Yep. Like it made me nervous when Jay got going. Cause he, he's all getting those details. I know, well, I know but, I, but I, I
3: control the editing. I've got one more. Go, Tony. So this is a stretch because it's not an album necessarily we've talked about. It's a recommendation that we made. And back in the X D C episode, I recommended the 2017 Monkeys LP. Oh, my God. Good Times. Good Times. Thank you. Which is a Harry Nielsen song. So the album and the song, obviously both named after a... Harry Nielsen
1: album. a can people-
0: A lot of things about Harry Nilsson that are that are really interesting. Um, he was raised in a pretty he came up. Dirt poor,
3: pretty much. Dirt poor. Lived in Brooklyn until he was yeah. fifteen. Uh, his, there's a tree that grows in Brooklyn. His uh, because his father abandoned. I mean, didn't yeah. didn't just leave. He ba- abandoned them. Um, and yeah. uh, there's some speculation that Harry thought he had died in the war. Um, he ended up reconnecting with him later in life, briefly. Um, but uh, and he had.
2: He had a family with six kids. Yeah, but
0: half of them were, um, like half brothers and sisters. Is that right? Yeah. But
3: he he lived in a six bedroom apartment with his grandparents and various uncles and other family members in Brooklyn and, uh, and they were dirt, dirt poor. His, uh, his mother had a drinking problem, which foreshadows one that he ends up yeah having later. She Um, would warn him about that problem. And yes. And, uh. And so his childhood was a fairly, um, tumultuous one. And yeah. he, and as you said, he was dirt, dirt, dirt poor, um, you know, and so he ends up at 15. I, 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 forget what happened. I think he lost his job. He was, he was working someplace. He lost a job. He came back and he told his uncle and aunt that he had lost his job and they said, we can't afford you anymore. Yeah. So he packed his bags and split, moved yeah. across, uh, moved across, it moved country. Yeah, <laughs> moved to L.A.
0: 15 years old um this is where it gets this is the first interesting part about him and
3: well he gets a job at a bank right and he lies about having a high school diploma yeah and when the bank finally finds out that he lied he's already not only well ensconced in what he's doing computer stuff but computer programming he's he's the head of this division and they love him and they're like they're they're turning a blind eye to the fact that he lied about having a high school diploma I mean, well, it was night, the opposite night. He was working at the yeah. bank at night, and then he would spend, his shift ended at one or two, and then he'd spend the rest of his night writing songs, and then the day hawking them, and then go back to work at the bank at night. Yeah. Um,
0: <coughs> he spent a lot of time alone writing programs. He did. And he, he couldn't do it during the day, because that would screw up the bank hours. This is back before you could have test servers and things right. like that.
3: He, uh, he ends up running into this guy named Perry Botkin Jr. and uh, and George Tipton, who was the copyist for Botkin. And Botkin was a songwriter, publisher, or whatever. And he says, hey, I, I want to play you some songs. And if you watch the Harry Nielsen documentary, Botkin says that they had they had to cool it with how much he was impressed by this young kid because they wanted to sign him, but they knew if they overdid it, he would be on to him. So he ends up signing them, I think for 50 bucks a week or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, They're also impressed by something that we've touched upon, but it was his voice. He had a three and a half octave, octave. tenor voice, Unbelievable. which is incredible when you listen to some of these songs and what he's able to do with it. Um, it's not just the range. It's, a it's, a, like, well, uh, it's the chameleon. Like, well,
2: it's the phrasing. Everything, everything. It's, it's, it's you, remarkable. You don't, you
3: don't need the lyrics with this album yeah um but here here's the interesting part so tipton who is uh george tipton who was like i said a copyist for botkin believes in nielsen so much that he gives him his life savings at the up at the time which oh, is 2500 dollars, to arrange and record four of his songs um which one of them is good times the monkeys song or the song the monkeys end up recording later huh. uh the one i mentioned in to connections and they uh they sold them to tower which is a subsidiary of Capitol Records at the time. All of these songs were collected along with their B-sides for uh, what was would essentially become Nielsen's first album, which is called Spotlight on Nielsen, which was released in 1966 on Tower. I, I, there's one thing that happens at this time, and this is... I, I, I want to apologize to our listeners because this early stuff, there's kind of like... You, you're not really sure linearly, linearly how all this plays out. Yeah. So if we get the timing off... You know, forgive us. We're, a lot happened to... in a very short yes. period of time. But he ends up recording this song in 1964 called All for the Beatles. Do you guys know about this song? I do not. So it was also known as Stand Up and Holler. It's a song written by Harry Nielsen and this guy named John Mar- Mariscalco. It was released in 64 under a pseudonym that Nielsen had called Photo, photo 5 4. And it was packaged with this standard eight millimeter film of the Beatles first arriving in the United States. So you got the single and you got this eight millimeter film and you could sync them up together. Supposedly the song synced huh. up with, with the film, like um, uh, pink Floyd and, and a wizard of Oz. Exactly. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> and, uh, they created this label called photo records and their only song they released was this song. Um, and, and the tune and I'll, I'll, I'll post it on our website, but the tune is very similar to, uh, not fade away the Buddy Holly song but it's yeah. all about the Beatles coming to America and then he gets his first taste of success in songwriting when with the Monkees the Monkees are working on their 67 1967 album called Headquarters and it's the first album according to Mickey Dolan's where the Monkees are actually able to choose what they're going to do yeah. song
0: wise is that the one where they actually got to play all the instruments yes you? Yeah.
3: and uh, and they agreed to record this Nielsen song called Cuddly Toy
1: you're not the only cuddly that was ever enjoyed by any boy. You're not the kind of girl to tell your mother.
3: And uh, he was paid $40,000 for the privilege. And uh, after true. they agreed to do it, the publisher, Monkeys Publisher, takes Nielsen out in the parking lot and says, You can quit the bank now. <laughs> I think you're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that kind of set him on his road uh, on the road of at least for being a songwriter. Yeah. Um, but there's enough interest where he gets signed to RCA records for a three, initially a three album deal for 50 grand in 1966 and ends up re- releasing the album that Doug mentioned earlier, Pandemonium Shadow Show. It's his RCA debut. Yeah. And, uh, a very fine album in its own, right? Yes. Well. I, I
2: actually like that one better. Um, sorry, Tony.
3: Than aerial ballet. <clears throat> yeah,
2: sorry. Uh, that's okay. I I'm mean, sorry. it's got it's got some I tried in, not to.
3: It's got some interesting stuff on it. I mean, it's produced by a guy named J- Rick Gerard. I don't know if you know much about him, JM. No, I but don't. His f- claim to fame was he produced uh, Surrealistic Pillow. Oh, which was the first Grace Slick Jefferson that Airplane. May be why I like it? <laughs> yeah, it might be like yeah. <laughs> well, he produced he produced he produced several things for Harry Nielsen. Aerial Ballet. Pandemonium Shadow Show, the Skidoo soundtrack, huh. um, and some of his third his third album, Harry. What's uh, interesting about that particular album? Doug already mentioned the the cover of She's Leaving Home, but there's another Beatles cover on there that really stands out, um, and it's it's this um, it's this it's, it's this ver- his version, I guess, if you will, of You Can't Do That. And it's often cited as the first mashup song by people who use those kinds of terms it's a two-minute song with you can't do that as a basic track but harry nielsen adds at least at least 20 different references to other beatles songs yeah and and what he says was the concept came around because he was messing around with his guitar one night and he hit this chord and he said that that chord sounds like a million other songs and then he realized how many beatles songs he could do from this chord so he ran down the street and uh, to Wallach Music City on Sunset Boulevard buys a Beatles sound, sound songbook And starts incorporating all these little snippets Of Beatles songs into wow. the song And that he said he finished it that night
1: Because I told you before You can't do that It's the second time I caught you talking
3: So that song, if if you haven't heard it, is pretty remarkable because, like I said, it's yeah. you can't do that, but it's got all these other Beatles uh, lyrics coming in that have that same same chord flavor to them, um, and it's it's uh, it's pretty pretty impressive. The other thing that is on that album is 1941. Anyone want to talk about that?
1: Well, in 1941, a happy father had a son. And by 1944, the father walks right out the door. And in 45, the mom and son were still alive.
2: Well, that's another connection. Yeah. That's but- a connection to last week with uh, Kirwan, uh, another guy whose dad is absent. Yeah. And uh, apparently that's a theme. Yeah. Well, definitely for
3: him. Well, he was born in 1941, and... That, yeah, it's it's not the most upbeat. It's not, but the the thing historically the reason why that song's important to the Harry Nielsen uh bio if you will is that supposedly the song that Derek Taylor hears. Really? And, and it blows him out of the water. And he and he he hears this song and he and he falls in love with it and he ends up buying a box of Pandemonium Shadow Show and shipping them overseas to making sure Part Partly really? they go to the Beatles And the Beatles fall in love with Harry Nielsen Because of that It To the point where they were When they were doing their press conference Announcing the formation of Apple Corps When somebody yeah. asked them What's your favorite artist Both McCartney Blen- and Lennon, and yeah. McCartney said Nielsen's our favorite band Yeah kind of favorite,
0: group? favorite group Well group. he was going, going by Yeah He was also just known as Nielsen a The Neil. The, the <laughs>
4: Neil. <laughs> But, but uh, you,
0: you know, that that song surprises me. It, to me, it's the most maudlin tune. I, I don't know. There's something about that song that I just don't understand. I like love the, that song. A lot of people do, and it's just never done that much for well, yeah,
2: I would, me. I would think that you could guess why John Lennon might be a, particularly attracted to that tune. Yeah.
3: No, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, he's got a similar story as well. They should have all done an album together. <laughs> And i not talking about the one they did together. <laughs> <laughs> Pussycats. Yeah. With Ringo. What Ringo was a
0: drummer on that one, wasn't I, he? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. was playing drums, huh? Yeah. How about that?
3: So, um, well, the, the, just real quick before we move on, uh, from away from pandemonium shadow show. Cause again, we're talking about a guy who had success writing songs that other people took. So, as I mentioned earlier, 10 Little Indians was the last single by the Yardbirds. Without Her, which is also on that album, was covered by Blood, Sweat, and Tears on Child as a Father to the Man. And Herb Albert and Tijuana Brass covered it on their album Warm. <laughs> um, so already people were starting to take notice of this guy. Yeah.
0: So one of the things I want to say about technically with Harry Nelson is there's a lot of things that went in specifically to this album but he was kind of doing them before. Uh, he was one of the first to do um, multi-track vocals, double-track
3: vocals um he which sounds should, so good. I mean not a whole but not so everybody good. can pull that off when they no. sing with themselves and he We're, sounds Well, so well y'all remarkable. heard that that guy yeah. yeah, that criticized him for not giving
2: credit to the backup
3: singers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. He does so, all of the all backup dope. sing. Yeah,
0: they're all all him. Uh that's one other thing that he did. He was one of he's the first good at it, very yeah, good at he was it. one of the first people that just sort of uh did all the, the vocal tracking himself. And he and not only did he was it that he was doing all the himself, there was the and, and not only did he has an incredible voice, as, as Tony mentioned, he's got a three and a half octave range. The mic placement and the stuff that he was doing, and the, the the effects that were put on the on the voices, that stuff was brand new in 1968. There really wasn't a whole lot of that that you were you could hear before. And one of the things I like about this album is the intimacy that does come with his voice. And he is double tracking, sometimes triple tracking, sometimes single tracking, and then in odd places putting in double or triple track. It's it's a fascinating album to listen to, technically, because he does some really cool stuff. And I love another thing I love about this album is how sparse the instrumentation is. Well, it's but it's,
3: it's full at the same time. It's funny when you look at the lineup of the musicians on this, yeah. album, Because you look at it, and you're like, this thing ought to be blowing through the speakers, and it's, it's not. not. It's it's you know, um, there's a lot of space. Harry, Harry Nielsen did not play live, never. Uh, a couple of times he did, but he—I mean—he didn't on tour on TV. He, did he didn't a couple tour. Of time, well, yeah. he, I think is very—I think he played at Beetlefest and with the Ringo Starr All Star Band both in 1992 before he died. Wow! But um, he didn't play live, and I think—I mean—he had an evidently he had an uh, an early incident where he he was playing with another guy and they did they were doing kind of a uh, Everly Brothers thing and they didn't go well and some and they got they got heckled. I, I think he took that that Beatles sensibility of, I don't need, I mean, I don't need yeah. to, because what I can do is what I can do is work magic in the studio, yeah. which is what he did.
0: And he was, he's especially with vocals. He's a, he's a master in the studio. When, 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 no, he is. His voice is, his, his voice is it's a chameleon voice. He can do so many different <laughs> it is. voices. It is an instrument and instruments. And
3: keep, yeah. And instruments yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and he's able to express whimsy and yep. sweetness and darkness all in the same song yeah <laughs> with that voice yeah. it's incredible yeah and, and
0: he is not the most let, let's just be there. <laughs> he's got accessible songs but it, this album takes a few for me it took a few listens to get into it
3: i i hear i hear other people say that um I don't know if it's because of the kind of music I listen to and I like, but this album when I heard it the first time I fell in love with it. Um I would say that's the way it is with with maybe his first 5 albums for me. Mm-hmm. There's I don't ever listen to those and go, "Uh, skip." Um
0: No, there's nothing I'd skip on this because it it is um it is a cohesive album. And you you really do. And I mean, even just some of the stuff he revisits throughout the album you, you you can't like, if you hear cowboy song just in the, where it pops back in, you're like, well, where where the hell did that come from?
3: Well, and, but I get it, jam. This is not, this is not, it sounds uh, pretty seventies. It's not, even though it was 68. Yeah. It's not accessible, instantly accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. Again, I think this hits, you know, Doug often jokes, Oh, surprise. This is a Tony album, but, uh, it's, it really does. I, I'm a sucker for this kind of piano driven pop music. Yeah. Um, me too. And, and this, this has such, this album and these early Nielsen albums have, have such a foundational impact on the power pop music that I listen to. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you, you can't, and the other thing is, I couldn't find anything about this, but I would find it extremely hard to, um, well, I find it—I'd find it surprising, is what I mean—to think—to think that Freddie Mercury didn't listen to Harry yeah. Nelson stuff too. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. because um, the piano I, work is well, and just the whole kind of uh, leaning back to that sort of um, yeah. '20s era type of right. sound that right. that Freddie Mercury and just Queen would embrace on a lot of their albums. I had, didn't see anything about it, but it would surprise me if he wasn't a fan. Yeah. Well, that's funny you said that because I've been listening to both of these. Uh, <laughs>
2: parallel one to another <laughs> not to give away anything about the future to our fans spoiler but, alert um, <laughs> there is a pre-rock and roll element to both of those bands it's that's uh not hard to pick up on at yeah. all, well, and it uh, is a little refreshing if you've heard a whole bunch of power chords for I, uh 40 yeah.
3: years yeah that, that raises an interesting question i wanted to ask both of you guys it is is this rock and roll if you had asked
0: me ten years ago, is, <laughs> is, <laughs> oh, we're not doing is Harry Nilsson uh, rock and roll? I would have said no. no. I I I think of him as like uh, a Sinatra or a you know like a a Sammy
2: Davis or somebody like that. I, I saw a description that that could be taken as an insult, but uh, when I when I copied this uh, description, it's not an insult, but. They they called it uh AM pop. And yeah. there's there's some truth to that. It's the kind of thing that was on
0: AM I mean,
3: and not on FM.
0: Yeah. 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 It's easy to uh, lump them uh, in with people like
3: Connie Francis or But, <laughs> but there's a sophistication to this yeah, stuff that was not, was not was not, not on AM radio. Which I think lends itself to what rock and roll was kind of trying to get its head around it. And again, at this I mean, time. The, the stuff yeah. is
0: more sophisticated than just your standard pop song, even though most of the songs are less than three minutes long. I it's mean, another page out of Randy Newman.
3: Yeah. there. Well, a couple of things, uh, not to beat that horse, but a couple of things Newman wise is the songs are short and the lyrics are remarkable. Yeah. There's or, another thing, um, that both of
2: these guys share. And that is, most of the songs have, wh- why are you singing about this? Yeah. I've, yeah. There's, there's that question uh, presents itself to me over and over again on, on this album, and almost all Randy Newman songs are right. the way to
3: me. The, I think the
2: one... Like the Tinker.
3: Uh, the, uh, Mr. Tinker. Mr. Tinker, I said, yeah. Why? Yeah. I, oh, I think one of, one of the distinctions between the two, though, is that um, these songs overall are really happy sounding in general if you take the lyric if you don't yeah, listen to if you the don't lyrics. pay
0: attention you don't pay attention yeah. yeah
3: um and Randy Newman's are are typically a little bit more serious sounding i mean he's a little more sardonic yeah yeah um, oh
0: much more yeah but uh <laughs> but they're they're, they're not necessary well, they these are a little bit another distinction between Newman and uh Nielsen is Randy Newman is an observer this is not an observational album. This
3: is introspective. This is like very Laurel, introspective. Canyon or yeah. valley. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that the, you're right. That that you're right is he is observational. The other thing I think is that Harry Nielsen's sense of humor is not anywhere near as biting as Randy Newman no, is yeah. a cynic <laughs> yeah. at heart.
4: He is.
3: And and Nielsen while he has all sorts of baggage he's carrying around um there are glimmers of the fact that he's not a cynic.
0: Although yeah. there and are even cynical
3: though, songs on this album.
0: That... Well, even then, later, Sauzy, you're yeah. breaking my heart. These, so, oh, yeah. The, oh his... yeah.
4: You're breaking my
1: heart. You're tearing it apart. So fuck you. All I wanna do is have a good time now.
2: It's different. Newman is attacking. Yeah. This is responding to an attack by the
3: world. You're right. You're absolutely right. With with only, you
2: know... Yeah. You brought up how the lyrics and the tunes don't match. And, uh, of course, I noticed that immediately. (laughs) I don't think it's accidental. Um, Oh, I don't either. I don't either, yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily the most... I don't think it's just ironic, or I think it's something else, like this is how I deal. Yeah. Um Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, is... I always start making jokes. If it's, if the situation gets stressful, I feel like it's a response similar to that.
0: When I hear press plastic ono band, that to me is everything I need to know about John Lennon. When I hear this album, this is almost everything
3: I need to know about Harry Nelson. You know who I kept thinking about listening to this. And this is another thing you're going to probably scrunch your head at is Daniel Johnston. And the reason why is not, I mean, obviously, Daniel Johnston's vocals are not Harry Nielsen's <laughs> vocals. But, um, and Daniel Johnston, I don't think has quite, I'm going to say, doesn't have anywhere near the talent that Harry Nielsen has. But he is talented. He is and talented. he is able to write songs, and his lyrics is, are, are, are for the most part, fantastic. But they both are, um, they are both have a, uh, as much as they're insecure about what they are, they also have this weird sense of, they're better than everybody else too, that kind of permeates some of this stuff more and, in touch with themselves. I yeah, think. yeah. And, and the difference is yeah. that Harry Nielsen has the, t- really has the talent to back that up. Whereas Daniel yeah. Johnston is an acquired taste for a lot of people. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but I did think about him a lot uh, when, when, I, 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 was, see that. when yeah. I was listening to this stuff. Um,
0: yeah. So let's uh, get into We're about to delve into this album. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the history of this particular album.
3: So I just want to just want to touch on a couple of things. One is, uh, is so it's the second album for RCA. And it's named after this high-wire circus that his great-grandparents oh, yeah, started. We,
0: we got, can't
3: yeah, forget that. It was called Nielsen's Aerial Ballet. And it was an act created by Carl Emanuel Nielsen, who was Harry Nielsen's great-grandfather. Um, and he had patented this device um, where ballet performers would appear to dance in midair while all these other dancers performed on the stage below. Special lighting was used and everything. And this thing traveled all over the U.S. I've, I've, again, I'll post this on the website. I found ads... From the really? late 1800s, advertising Nielsen's Aerial Ballet, which is kind of funny. Um, the other interesting thing about this is, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, depending on your point of view about this band, but uh, the name of the album inspired Aerosmith to come up with I their did. name. <laughs> and their uh, logo. And their logo. Yeah. Yeah. The only knock I would have is I, the cover art on this album is pretty atrocious. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah. Um, you yeah. know. But there was,
0: nobody was doing good Cover art. Except for maybe the Beatles. Yeah. All right. The first song, side one, Daddy's Song.
1: And years ago we used to play. He used to laugh and I ran away. And if I fell in a hurt my knee, he would run to comfort me. And the pain would go
4: away.
2: Up on me, Which is not the first song, side one,
3: originally. No, it was the first song originally. And Then it was on un- Then it first, was on un- first then song. Then it was re-first song. It was re- yeah, the song. reason what happened what Doug's alluding to was um the monkeys uh a- according to Harry Nielsen, unbeknownst to him, bought the uh the rights, exclusive rights to the song for $35,000 to Daddy Song. And they also used it in their movie Head. Mm-hmm. Um and so they recorded it and and as a result of that after this album was released with it on it every subsequent release of it afterwards removed this song from the album which really doesn't make any s- it it, it is It's the either. emotional core of this album. It is. I, yeah. Taking it off really screws
2: with the, it. It. it's like yeah. taking the first uh paragraph of an essay out. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Um and and so uh
0: yeah I mean or taking the first Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band and just going immediately into uh <laughs> Little Help from Little, little Help from My friend. Have
3: you have you guys seen Head the movie? I've seen Head? parts of it. I've never seen so the whole movie. The, the clip uh from of this song is, is is uh <laughs> Davy Jones is uh is singing it and he's doing this bizarre dance. I mean, I don't know what you could call it. It's and and he's wearing and, and it does these quick cuts between him in a black suit with a white background and a white suit with a black background and these real quick cuts and he ends up dancing with a female partner who oddly enough is tony tony basil who of the mickey fame fame. Um, but anyway it's a really kind of this really surrealistic thing and i think what they were trying to get at with the black and white thing was just the underlying duality of this song about somebody singing uh, you know uh, on the surface lovingly about this Father who essentially abandons them. Yeah. Um. But it's uh. Yeah. It's a really. Weird, I mean. It's not as good as this version. Uh, I love Davy Jones, but well, to he's me, this, not Harry Nielsen. He <laughs> <laughs> to me, this almost does
0: <laughs> sound like Davy Jones is singing it. Uh, th- this version of it that he, that he does. I mean, maybe Davy Jones took a cue from yeah, Harry Harry, Harry Nielsen to it.
2: Well, I think Davy Jones has a good voice. Does. But... Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's not not as good and again this is double tracked and there's a part where it gets
2: triple tracked on this
3: well song. this and,
2: this song sounds like it was written by a profoundly harmed child yeah. which it was
3: yeah yeah which it was and it it's was weird just, because it's
2: like i mean it reminds me of the first song last week yeah the same
3: yeah. the same pain just it yeah it, it and, and the the lyric, uh, one of my favorite lines is that bit about it was such a rainy day that he brought out all his toys. I mean, just this yeah. idea that this kid is trying to cope. Yeah. Um, the uh. sad part is, is, you know, he mentions in the song when he has a kid, he won't he won't do this. So yeah. it's the hope that oh, he'll be a better father. And he ends up yeah doing it. Yeah. He leaves his heartbreak, but, but to be fair to Harry Nielsen, he didn't abandon his family. He, he was in that kid's life throughout that kid growing up, but yeah.
2: watching his son trying to prove to himself, his father yeah. loved him because of uh, no a letter he wrote. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was heartbreaking to see yeah. the pattern repeat itself. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, to know the pain that it caused him, and to do it again, just makes me. It has to be that he was he had lost control of himself completely. Um, he just couldn't understand that his father was not a man. Yeah, and it was God. all just a game. Damn. That's that's, that's a short phrase that says a, lot. a whole whole lot, and it doesn't have any big words in it.
0: And then, it, but the the song has like this riverboat. Feel to it. It's like a I, I picture, a guy with a straw hat and a garter well, and on his sleeve. And he,
3: and he scats in it. Yeah, and he scats in it remarkably well, I might add. I know, but I, I, I
0: could have done without the scatting.
2: I love the scatting. I love you know, it. You, there's a, a lot for you to love on this album. Uh, you're
3: right. You, you're <laughs> damn right. And I love every bit of it. Yeah. Well, that's um, I'm
2: glad to know that there's people like you out there <laughs> that it wasn't wasted.
3: Yeah. I mean, just from the opening line where it says, years ago, we knew a man. Um, how distant are you from your father exactly. when you said we knew him? Oh, exactly. That's the point. It's, no,
2: it's, that was. A, it's a hard. It's one a for hard me. one. It's a hard song to get through. And this is just uh, forty-one
0: again. <laughs> and I have absolutely no idea why the monkeys wanted to cover it. I mean, they
2: do that, man. Like the last train or no, last train to whatever the hell. Clarksville, it was? Yeah. Clarksville. I
3: mean, yeah. that
2: guy's going to Vietnam. Uh, they they do that a lot. Well, Everybody and that's out there going. That's yeah.
3: That's another song. Last train to Clarksville, where it's like. Just this upbeat pop song that is fantastic, but yeah, daydream, I mean, I, I th- daydream believers
2: got that ne'er do well.
3: I, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think though, Doug, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you talked about this. It, this is this is his way of exercising his demons. So he does this music um, that kind of masks yeah, the pain. It's of almost the like he's
0: playing with Legos or something and talking to his therapist. Yeah, you know, like I'm gonna, I,
2: I can see like a crazy money Python. Yeah, uh, this is. It's this is the correct response to a kid growing up, in. and this is surreal that's for right. your father just to split like that. Yeah. And might as well make the rest of the world surreal because yeah. that's, that's the center of a kid's world. Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah. Song number two, side one, good old desk.
1: Such a comfort to know has got no place to go. It's always there. It's the one thing I've got, a huge success, my good old
3: dad. This is an intriguing thing.
0: I have no idea
3: what the hell this song is. Well, a couple of things I (laughs) want to say about it. It's good old dust, G-O-D, if that says anything. But, But, But He denied that over and over again, right? He did. But here's the interesting thing, even taking that out of it. It's the one song in the album where he's talking about stability, and it's an inanimate object. I mean, yeah. what does that say about somebody and and their their viewpoint on life? You know, well, he
0: says it. Yes, the thing is, he sees first thing in the morning. Yeah, and...
3: it's the it's the only thing in his life that gives him any comfort because it's yeah. there. He yeah. doesn't. It, it's dependable. Um, it's it's a
2: it's a wonderful song. <laughs> it, and is. It's about, it is.
3: It's about a piece of furniture, yeah. but it fits. I
2: will be it's perfect
3: right behind that last tune. Is it the only rock song in the history of rock to use the term arabesque? Yeah.
2: Um, And you know (laughs) what? To have a double use for it. Exactly. So let's talk
3: about what that means. Arabesque is, you know, an ornate sort of carving and and furniture. It's, you know, looks like fruit or sometimes animals or whatever. But it's also... Uh, it's also a turn, a posture used for ballet. Yeah. So just that what, word. And who, I mean, it's, it's like, you a, know, yeah, what is it? I mean, you'd have to dig into it to know that or be s- sort of smart. I, I personally dug into it. I didn't know right away about the ballet thing, but it's, yeah, it's, it's Are an you
2: accusing amaz- us of knowing about ballet? No, I'm just saying <laughs> right. it's an
3: amazing, it's a, yeah. an amazing double meaning, just kind of toss it away is. word. Um, it was very clever. So this and it does this song does sound like he's
2: talking about God? It does. It does. <laughs> it does. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: it sounds. I mean, everything is. He's just talking about like how he does his morning, and you're like,
2: it's, well, he never gets sad. Yep. He's, yeah, uh, when he sees the, that yeah. a giant of all time. Yep, it's this is this desk uh, yep. is like like God. So uh, well, knows? and
0: another thing to going back to the God thing. Half the instrumentation on this song. Is his voice? Have you noticed that there yeah. is so yeah. much going on? Well, it starts off
3: with that, in my opinion, incredible kind of ooh-ah thing yeah. that just it, to me is instantly accessible. It, yeah. Yeah, I hear that and I'm like, I'm 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 sitting down and ready for the ride I'm about to go on musically. Yeah. Is right. that just yeah. is great? I mean, he, to me,
2: he does voice
0: things that. Are all brand new to me. This is the song that the monkey should have covered, though, because to me this sounds like a monkey's outtake almost. But maybe I mean I think, it, it, but
2: in perfect on
3: head too. I
2: I think he's perfect for the monkeys. I, yeah. they should have
3: done monkeys through Nielsen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you, there you got a point there. I one thing I want to talk about. And I'll talk about it a couple of times on this. So yeah, he never played live, but when this album after this album came out, and uh, when he was working on Skidoo, which we'll talk about a little bit later. He ended up on a syndicated television show called Playboy After Dark. Mm-hmm. I saw that. And it is it's and so the the, the the thing there is that you're supposedly at Hugh Hefner's house and he's got all these celebrities hanging around and he right. encourages some of them to perform for the rest of the guests. So Harry Nielsen's on this one episode and he encourages him and he sings this song and it's great. I mean, it's not, and it's not a piped in. It's not, <clears throat> it's not him lip singing. He's singing the song there to piped in music, and it's, it's just a really cool performance. He's still, still sitting on a, on a, I think the chair of a couch or something, yeah. And he's snapping his fingers, and it's just this really cool visual, and the song is great. Um, That's on the uh, documentary too. Right? It, it is, and I will post the full Playboy yeah. After Dark episode yeah. on the website. He seemed. So. Um, <clears throat> awfully confident for a guy who is
2: scared to play in front of uh,
3: Yeah. Well, I think the controlled environment is what was was why he liked the studio and why that worked for him.
0: Moving on to song number three, Don't Leave Me.
1: There was a time when you were mine and not so long ago I used to say you'd never go away you'd never leave me alone Don't
4: leave
3: me, baby. Oh, what a heartbreaker. It Um, starts off with
0: that beautiful, mellow gut string guitar that just...
3: uh Uh-huh. So, this also, I think, has a bit of a double meaning to it. I mean, on a surface, it's obviously about a a, a lover or a partner or something like that. But it could also, if you dig a little deeper, be about his dad. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, You know,
0: the first time I... Really listen to this song. You know, those movies in the 1970s when um, the credits for movies actually were going on before the, the intro song. The intro, like, yeah, they like, have an intro song, but all the credits had to be done the, before. uh uh-huh. What's to me,
2: pussy cat. Yeah, yeah. One of those. <laughs> uh,
0: but and they show the scene like they they have to do something, so they show scenes in the main character like yep. driving around it does and sound somewhere, like that.
2: But,
0: <laughs> you got like, ba, 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 ba. yeah. And then you got somebody like Elliot Gould or uh, you mm-hmm. know
2: Ali uh, Ali McGraw is. The, they're driving they're, down Highway One in California. Yeah, exactly. To me, that this is like the perfect. It is a lot like that. And, I, I, so I had, so had the like same. That. I had the same thing flashing <laughs> through my head, and but, that's all that. that
3: They're in a convertible. Well, it's also got that nod to... And some girl's going, darling. It's got that nod to drive my car in the middle of it, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't remind me of that It doesn't remind me But
3: it's obviously a nod to it. Beep, all the beep, trappings of yeah. those movies, James. But
2: colors. a big deal of it being a color, but the yeah. color go, go, Yeah, yeah. the color <laughs> comes in at <laughs> the very last
3: thing. But <laughs> and, going back to what Jam said earlier about him being a chameleon with his voice, his voice sounds different on this song that does the first two, and it's great. Yeah. Um, and how about that that opening line that uh, the willow weeps and having wept can weep no more but still it cries for me it cries in sympathy I mean that's just <laughs> and he uses the willow again later on but yeah. not to the extent which that, one of the best it, songs on the album I think yeah I think, this yeah. this is a this is a real heartbreaker yeah oh it is, it
2: I, is. he I would like to hear this song stripped of its uh, strapping it, yeah. no, I want to hear it without. Everything that
3: was of that time, yeah, uh, I would be interested to hear that. Well, the the other kind of thing we haven't talked about that sort of underpins a lot of the music on this album is there's almost a quasi jazz feel to some of these songs. Some of them,
0: yeah, and, you know. Um, but that's a lot of those. That's what we're talking. Yeah, about. yeah.
3: <laughs> I think there's a lot of those well, that's, intros like to like that movies, 60s Burt Bacharach type of stuff. Yeah. Breakfast yeah. at Tiffany's. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a sucker for that stuff. It doesn't bother me. Um,
2: I think I. I, it's, I, I, it's, I got it's unfair. Past it. Yeah. It's it's we've done this before. We've talked about this before. It's unfair to dislike it because it. It's just, what something. did I say? Because it's it's of the time, like the guy's yeah. wearing the shirt of the guy you don't like, so you hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same kind of <laughs> yeah, deal. Exactly. It's a it's a little bit of what uh, the the problem Tony had when he was struggling with the ELO. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he didn't rise above. I did not rise above. <laughs> rise above <laughs> I failed to rise above.
2: Yeah. But uh, that, having said all that and bragged about <laughs> myself rising above, I would like to hear it stripped down and uh, <laughs> yeah. Done. I I agree with you. I, I,
0: this is a little. This is if there's overproduction on any of the songs on this. You think this, it's this one? This, it would be this one. Uh,
2: what what if Southside got it with some horns? Yeah, would be pretty cool. Don't yeah. leave me, baby. Right.
3: I, 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 Harry Nielsen sings this song. He, he does a great job. Yeah, um, yeah, but he can't do it again. All right.
0: All right. Moving on. Speaking of scatting, moving on to Mr. Richland's favorite song.
1: They leave at the end of the second show, go home to talk of the fun. For most of the fans were married by then, so they had to be in by one. I'm awfully glad the husbands would say I'm awfully glad you got someone, someone I realize.
3: Song number four. So it's funny that it's named that because it's named after Tony Richland, who was a record producer or promoter. I'm sorry. But it's only named that because he he happened to say it was his favorite song. (laughs) It has nothing to do with with the lyrics. I think this song's fantastic lyrically because it's Harry Nielsen's take on fame. And it starts off with this guy who's a superstar there's with like, all these young. St-
0: but there's like three lyrics in the whole song. The rest of it is him
3: but, half-ass scatting. But the, I love that, and I love yep,
2: there are a lot of lyrics in this song. <laughs> and I love there is a lot of scatting.
3: But I love the lyrics. How the first stanza is about this giant, this guy who's a giant, and he's got all these teeny boppers yeah, after yeah, him, yeah, and yeah. the parents are like, "Okay, this is a passing phase." The calendar passes. This guy's still doing it. His fans are now all married women with kids, and their husbands are like commenting on their wives going to see this guy, and they're not staying out as long because they've got families to go back to. And then yeah. you get to the last stanza, which is this guy's still doing the same thing, but his relationship with his fans has changed. have changed. He needs to know their name. Yeah. Um, he needs a mailing He, list. he does this in them- two minutes and 12 seconds. So I have a question a about the walrus what is the walrus in the song? I got news for you all. I don't think it's, I don't <laughs> think it has anything to do with Paul. I don't. I could be wrong about that, but I'm, how can you bring up the walrus if you're not talking about the Beatles? Because I think it might be leaning towards the walrus and the carpenter. That story, the Tweedledum and Tweedledee tell about the walrus and the carpenter. Well, you got it. Did this
0: album it. come out before?
3: Um, Magical Mystery Devil. Tool?
0: Tool? Sure. magical
3: mystery tour. Um, that's uh, the white album. Green, that's a uh, flat, no. glass onion. Is oh, on glass onion. Album. I'm no, sorry, I'm the, talking about the to, walrus. I was, yeah, I am the walrus. Uh, yeah,
2: he wouldn't have. Oh, wait,
3: wait. It. Yeah, but the, yeah, but he wouldn't. Uh, the walrus was Paul. I see what you're saying. So, I am the walrus was magical mystery tour, but the walrus is Paul is on class. Yeah, yeah. Glass glass onion, onion, yeah, so um, I don't know, and I don't believe the walrus is Paul. Um, I just don't know what it is. It's an odd word to throw in there when it has really no meaning or merit to the, to the rest of the lyrics. Uh, but I do like the lyrics. I think it's an interesting take on fame and a very, it made me think about, you know, the fact that there are people that we go see now who've been around forever and they're more apt to hang out and talk to their fans now, because that's really where they're, Well, don't you think we're like that since the first season? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anyway, I think it's a good song.
0: Let's move on to uh, one of my favorite songs on the album, Little Cowboy.
1: Little Cowboy, put your saddle in the bar, tie your horse up tight, so we'll know no harm. Put your hat in your gun. Beside you on the
3: chair I adore this song. It is such a good song. And this uh, Harry Nilsson's mom wrote it. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I think the first part where he's talking about, you know, leading up to singing I know it, he talks it, about you know, his mom, yeah. But I think it, according to everything I read his mom wrote the actual song. This song is great. It's short but it's great. The backing oh, singles yeah. are singing in it that kind of Beatlesque ooh la Oh, and ah then you have got that uh, uh is, um, milk uh,
0: Holland doing that.
3: Yeah, this song, I like I said, the only word I can use is adore. I adore oh, it's an adorable
2: song.
0: song. It's a it, lullaby.
3: Yeah, yes.
2: it's a great lullaby. And, and um, it makes me sad. Yeah. Because I was the age that you would be sung this w- at that time. Yeah. And every one of us wanted to be a cowboy. Right, yeah. And then there was a time I, when I we was, decided we wanted to be astronauts yep, because yep. we... And Watch then we, the then we
3: started, the like, yeah, then Don't. we wanted to be race car driver. I was never and... a race car driver, but I went straight from astronaut to priest, but I'm Catholic. <laughs> <like what> I'm <laughs> <to say. laughs>
0: I went from astronaut to race car point. driver to architect.
2: But what makes me sad is no kid wants to be a cowboy now. I mean, I yeah. had red boots. I had a, I had a cowboy hat that I wore. I, I had the gun and I, had the whenever, badge. I would always say, you bet your are tin pin buckets. I have no idea what that means, but <laughs> I you saw that it on one one of these shows that were on every Saturday, yeah. and uh, and that's what that's the reason this this thing is, is uh, <laughs> endearing to me because I know. I think, it reminds me and, so
0: much of being a kid. Yeah, yeah. Now,
2: and the kids no no one they don't even want to be on I mean, Earth remember, anymore. They want to be up killing Voltrons out yeah. in outer space. My
0: brother used to come up to me. He would have uh, he had dual pistols in his little uh, holsters. You know, pulp, pulp, fake holsters and he would just hold them up to me going stick up your hands up <laughs> and i'd say are you a bad guy and he'd have to answer yes or no and if he was a bad guy i would try to get my gun out and shoot him but i mean just people
2: don't do that anymore you well, know? the kids don't they don't care about they want lasers yeah, they want lasers, yeah. but, but this,
3: this song this song is so simple but yeah, it's so perfect. and it's almost it's like perfect. an
0: outtake. Speaking of Randy Newman again, it's almost like an outtake from Three Amigos. Yeah, you know?
2: it's strange that it comes right there. I, I I couldn't figure that part out. You mean where it comes in the album?
3: It yeah. it is odd. It because, is odd that it comes uh, in there. It, co- it almost sounds seems like, like, like
2: the end of the side
3: or end of the. It does. Album. Yeah. In fact, I thought it was, and it's not. Although, yeah, yeah I mean, and, and it's not really because there's not much on this album where you, I mean, if you're listening to it where you think, oh my god, I need a break. I mean, yeah, the lyrics yeah. are heavy, but the music's not. So it does it kind of plays with you a little bit. It's not like other albums where we've talked about where there it's it's a relief to get a song like this. Yeah, it does seem a little odd in its placement, but it's still such a. I wish
0: it had been the last song on <laughs> this. I wish they just switched. Uh, this this one, one and together, that, yeah, together. Yeah. yeah. All right, the last song on side one, together.
1: Love when it started was easy to measure Each day was a pleasure Each night an adventure Each morning was something That had to be shared together Love when it's growing is full of surprises As temperature rises from higher to higher Then turns into fire That has to be shared together
3: A song
2: not about being together Yep <laughs> It's about untogethering Untogethering, yes uh,
0: This has got such a beautiful string arrangement on it. This
3: song is amazing. It is. It,
0: it is so beautiful.
3: It, it's incredible. His vocals on it are incredible. The music on it's incredible. Oh, yeah. It's got, um and look, I'm sure it's because of the horn section in the middle of it, but it's got kind oh. of a Penny Lane vibe going yeah, on to yeah. it. It is, it is, it is a remarkable song. Um, huh. And, and, uh, and he and, gives full credit
0: to the string and horn section on this album, which is a big plus.
2: Well, does it sound like uh, he's. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. It it, it seems to me like he thinks he's a little more innocent than he could possibly be.
3: Well, it depends on. It depends on. I'm not sure who is. This is a one sided song. It's about one person trying harder than the other person, but I don't know who that is. I'm assuming it's him. But I don't know. It could you know, be the other person. I mean, well, it doesn't really if, say. If, if he said this is about her trying harder than him, I would, I would believe it. <laughs> um, you know. But just real quick, talking about the strings, the one thing we didn't mention was that. Um, that uh, Tipton, who's the guy who gave him his money to start, he's responsible for all the arrangements on these early Nielsen albums. He is the unsung hero in a lot of ways yeah. um, for how full these things sound. Well, that's odd. They sound
0: full and spark. It, it, it sounds almost like chamber music.
3: To me. Well, and when he left, it, Nielsen's sound changed. Um yeah you know, they had a falling out at some point, but anyway, I just wanted to go back. And s- since you mentioned that, that he is, he's the one responsible for the arrangements on this, um, going back to the song, uh, it's, I, it's a beautiful song. This is another, <clears throat> this is the other song from this album that was on that playboy after dark episode. Hmm. Um, and you know, it's
0: it, it, well, the, the, for the most part, um, I mean, the strings are on almost every song, but the, this is the one where I think they, they kind of stretch out a little bit where the, most of the time they're just supporting the song. But in this one, it seems like they're actually like trying to carry the song in a different direction. And I, I, I really do. Um, there is beautiful.
2: Uh, what what do y'all think about his rhyme schemes? I, I love it on this song. The, uh the thing I noticed is I, it, this is, this is a hang up of mine, but I don't like AABB rhyme schemes. They uh, they sound limerically to uh, limerickly. I, I can't make a limerically. limerickly. Limic, limerickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be an adverb. I was looking well, for an the, the, But um, this uh he doesn't follow a rhyme scheme. He'll put two together and then yeah. it's it just it just changes oh. every uh well, every verse
0: yeah it does it can be a little disconcerting and, when you hear him yeah but
3: yeah, i yeah. think that's intentional and the, and his phrasing as well on this song it's it, it's a little unsettling initially when you hear it And i think that has to do with what you're talking about doug and just the way he he's I, kind of i also
2: think it's on a, almost all the songs i've i had a i was trying to put it together and i have to admit this is a hang-up of mine and it bugged me on uh, pet sounds for a long time and uh of course, I got over that, <laughs> uh, and you know that's not on him. That's on me. But um, I was just wondering if that hit any of y'all. It
3: didn't hit me. No, but I did note. I, I think on this song more than any other song on the album, the rhyme pattern, if you will, that he uses is is stands out because he does this weird thing where it, it's. You're right. It's not a a a b b or a b a b. It's this the thing where. He'll have a, a word ending the the so the first verse doesn't rhyme with the second verse, but the word at the end of the second verse rhymes with the word in the middle of the third verse, and then the word at the mm-hmm. end of the third verse rhymes with the end of the fourth verse. It's bizarre, but it really I think it works um, because the song is a bit unsettling, and I think that that huh. aids in that. Well, yeah. you have to
2: you have to pay attention to realize. Um, It sounds like it's just a rhyme
3: as as you're listening.
2: But if you start paying attention to it, you'll start going, what's going on? I'll I'll
3: give give an example. So the first line is, love isn't easy when two are divided, and one has decided to bring back the curtain, and one thing's for certain there's nothing to keep them together. So if you hear that, it's weird where the rhymes show up.
2: In in that verse, that that provided a little bit of momentum, which was strange.
0: Flipping the album (laughs) over. And we have a pretty major hit probably one of the biggest hits of 1968
2: so this was a this this is a, a classic am radio hit yeah this we're is, talking
0: about everyone's everybody's talking, talking.
2: At me.
1: people stopping still i can't see the faces only the shadows of their eyes i'm going well the sun keeps shining through the porn.
3: Everybody's talking. So the the weird thing about this song is it's a cover version of a Fred Neil song, and it's the opposite of every other song on this album. What I mean by that is, is, is the music is as maudlin as it can be, and the lyrics are positive.
4: And <laughs> it's weird
3: because you hear the song musically and you think, "God, this is depressing." But when you actually listen to listen to the lyrics, it's not depressing at all. This is guy is has has a positive outlook on things. Um,
0: this is an outlier. I mean, the the instrumentation is a
2: little more uh it's a drone. If you'll listen to it, there's well, a, there's a, a string that comes in.
0: just stays the whole and time.
2: it's I don't know how long it stays, but it's at it least does ten thing, me- right. Measures It does, really. it does stay yeah. a long time, and you're right. It makes the whole rest of the song feel it, that the way. The song feels like it doesn't resolve and it, right. it, yeah. there's this tension and I can't judge it fairly because I saw the movie right. before I ever heard and the song. And yeah. that everything. And that yeah. movie uh, was a very, very effective, well-done movie yeah.
3: at making you
2: feel horrible. Yeah, it's, an, it's an unsettling <laughs> film. It's the most it's, unsettling. It's, uh, I'll tell
3: you my theory about that. Yeah. Uh, that movie and Breakfast at Tiffany's are the same film. All right. I don't understand that one it's, well, it's that they're the same. Oh, they're char- both they're trying the to get same, away from the from same their...
4: characters.
2: Just yeah. one is
3: a little grittier
2: than it's the other. So much, one. and one's... better the other one. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a great uh, point, a little but... bit grittier. Steve <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and I think this thing with the drone and the uh, the two chords that just trade off over and over again for so long that fits that film really, really well. Well, yeah.
3: what's what's interesting about that was so the the when when midnight cowboy was being made so first of all let's talk about the song so the song was recorded because um uh the producer and tipton were playing a bunch of records um gerard and tipton were playing a bunch of records that were on rca's roster at the time and nielsen heard this song this fred neil song his singer this folk singer from ohio and he liked it and he thought oh i'll just i'll cut it i'll see what happens and so they cut it and it was actually a single they released off of this album that that hit the top 40 in Canada but did nothing it flopped in the US. So okay, whatever. Then the producers of Midnight Cowboy get the song and they start using it as a as a um a track to just kind of as a placeholder, I'll hold all a space, mm-hmm. and they yeah. reach out to Harry Nielsen, They ask him to write a song for the movie. They also ask Bob Dylan to write a song for the movie, and he did. He did. Lay Lady Lay mm-hmm. is supposedly for Midnight Cowboy. I don't know where that fits in, but I don't either. Love the song. Um, but what what ends up I happening do. was Harry Nielsen writes and records a song called "I Guess the Lord Must Be in New York City," which, if you've heard it, it's on his Harry album. It sounds remarkable, like remarkably like this song. I mean, it's there there is the same DNA and everybody's talking and in I guess the Lord must be in New York City. They if I played that for you and didn't tell you it was Harry Nielsen, you'd say, Oh, somebody's ripping off everybody's talking. <laughs> um anyway, they went through that. They also, I think, asked Joni Mitchell to write a song for mm-hmm. it as well. But they they weren't happy with any of those. They ended up sticking with the song that they were used to. What which was is this song. Joni Mitchell's? I don't know. I couldn't was find it. it Help me. Maybe. I don't know. Um they ended up sticking with this, and then this movie. Wins the Academy Award, and this song wins a Grammy for Best Contemporary Male Vocalist. So this is again one of the success that Nielsen has on a song that he did not write. Hmm. But his voice sounds different on this song so than anything right. else on this album. Yeah. And and it's an as as to use your word, Doug. It's an outlier. This song in all. It, and everything about it is an outlier on this album. Yeah. The, the, yeah and that was JM's
2: word. Was oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. If you look closely, he's got glasses on and I, and I don't. That's right.
0: <laughs> but it's a good song. Very, very good song. And it, it is. It's a, it's a fantastic song. And the one good where song. the guitar
2: players get to show off how good they are. And, um, and my, my prayer for our audience is if you've not seen that movie, um, make sure you don't see it. So you can keep loving this song without <laughs> flashes of bus trips and that, uncomfortable the,
3: movie theater yeah, scenes. Friend of yeah. Naked. That movie is... Uh, that's a. That's the last thing I think about when I think about this. that movie. The movie is so sad. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah.
2: that's why we're experts on this album. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. There was a notorious place in downtown Austin called The Midnight Cowboy.
3: That's right. Yeah. It was a speakeasy. Yeah.
2: All right.
0: Moving on to the next song. Oh, Lord. (laughs) I said goodbye
3: to me, even the... Nothing like a a song about suicide to brighten up your day.
1: (laughs) I said goodbye to me. I looked in the mirror. Then I began to cry. I leave my things behind for all to see and hope that she'll understand why.
0: This
3: is it, a beautiful song. It is boy, a beautiful the subject song. Matter is tough.
0: Oh my God! And it, It's
2: a great waltz. Um, and
3: I it's lo- a
0: weird waltz.
2: It's a weird waltz. I, can anyone think of a waltz that? Yeah, that has this. It's, it's not making. It's hard to get dance. up on your toes
0: yeah, if you know exactly. what the words are.
2: Well, yeah. and, 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 and the and chord progressions are just
3: weird. They There's are key changes and, in and, it, and it, and, it, oh. it, it, and what he does with his voice and for lack of a better term, the scat part where it's essentially a horn. Is pretty remarkable as yeah. well. This is a beautiful song. It it may be my favorite song on the album. It would be, except I'm yeah. by this time I'm a little bit
0: tired of the scatting and the wordless vocals, especially See, after the everybody's. Talking. I wore
3: out on the scat too. Yeah. I, I am not worn out on it. I love it, and I mean the it's only thing to... that gets me about this is it's hard to say that my favorite song on an album is about a guy killing himself.
0: Well, it's got that that line that just sticks with me. Pack up
2: <laughs> memories and walk away. And the horse and the coach are on oh, its way. Oh,
4: God.
3: Anyway. Well, and just the... the, the, the that I'll, that I'll
4: probably
2: leave. was real c- close after uh, JFK was uh, k-
3: taken out on the coach but, and it,
4: yeah, I mean, for this, his funeral.
3: This line, I leave my things behind for all to see and hope that she'll understand why. I mean, that's just... Oh, God. But it's a beautiful song.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah,
3: absolutely beautiful.
0: All right. And then <laughs> taking us out of the doldrums.
3: Well, now maybe this is one of the places where you do need a respite. It from is. What I, I'm so
0: glad this song came in
3: where it did. We this get is... to
2: go visit our little buckaroo
0: again. Yep, we That's do. Right,
3: with this wonderful little whistle instrumental going on. I guess that is um, Harry Nelson.
0: Okay. We're, we're talking about Little Cowboy Reprise, by the way. Number two. <laughs>
3: What, whistling like that? Why yeah. wouldn't it be?
0: I don't know, but it's amazing whistling. It's, it's like Toots t-
2: Fieldman yeah. whistling. It may be the uh, wrecking Cruise whistler. Do they have a whistler? I don't know. They should.
3: They <laughs> I, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if Harry Nielsen could whistle like that. Uh, I'm sure he could. Something, yeah. something about the guy says. He's, he's one whistling. of
0: those
2: kids that was always making noises with his mouth, probably. Yeah.
0: But it, it sounds like something out of one of those Pecos Bill cartoons that you yeah. saw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, it's it's great and it is a nice little break from the yeah. the kind of emotional roller coaster you just went through with yeah. say goodbye to me. Yeah. All right,
0: moving on to Mr. Tinker.
1: Above his dresser was a picture of a wife who passed away Yeah. And next to that, there was a picture of a boy who can not stay. Mr. Tinker was...
3: A- I love this song. I do, too. I love, I love, love it. Song. I love the lyrics. I love everything I about too. it. I I love that this guy, it's funny because this guy is what, he's just bitter and he's always been bitter. He's always been bitter, was, even
0: though he's got a widow, he's a widower and well,
3: but he's still bitter. I, I think it's, yeah. <laughs> even
2: think, though his wife died. Yeah. He's still well, I bitter. mean, but he was bitter before that. <laughs> well, I
3: think the song starts off with him. The kid left him before yeah. his his wife died. So it starts off with him looking back. Is he's, he's living in this little room yeah. behind his shop. His wife's dead. His kid doesn't come back to see him anymore. And he's he's bitter about that. Then it goes into talking about what well, he was a tailor. And this is a yeah. fine job, except he was jealous of every person that there. walked into the exactly. shop. So that he's bitter about that. And then as he continues on with his trade, technology takes over and you can go buy a suit off the rack so people don't need him anymore. So he's yeah. bitter about that. This guy yeah. is just this is one unhappy dude. Um, but I kept wanting up with this that? to be about something else that I was too dense to figure out. Well, I, I, I don't... I mean, I haven't read anything about this. This is about
2: the USA
3: during the uh, Gilded Age. <laughs> well, it's some, ob- anything. It, It's obviously a play on, I'm guessing, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, right? Because why would he say Mr. Tinker's a tailor? It's got to be some weird it, little nod to that. Yeah. to that. It's got to be connected It sounds like a Randy Newman song. It, it does, does sound like
0: a Randy Newman... Yeah, exactly. And I'm always always intrigued by those kind of character studies where you just get into the character so much and you say so much about them in so few words, but uh, you, you, know, you, you know, you know, you know guy. exactly who this, yeah, guy you is. Know who this guy is. And, uh, okay. There's more wordless vocals, but, um, this is to me, one of the more Paul McCartney esque, type songs as well.
3: well. It's, it has a very Eleanor Rigby kind of feel yeah, to it. It does. definitely has does. Does that. I will, I will, yeah. I will Except give She's that.
0: sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: yeah.
3: true. That's true. This guy, <laughs> this guy's nice. Oh, guy well, Paul,
0: not. yeah, you're, you're, he's, many,
2: um, he, he had sunshine in his heart. Yeah. <laughs> I think his dad was nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. He, he had a happy childhood
0: for all, for all accounts. Yeah. Even though his mom died, but his dad was a very decent human being. Anyway, All right, the other hit, One.
1: One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one.
2: I have a very special relationship with this song. Why is that? Well, there I was. Austin High. I'm a senior. Sometimes senior boys notice all of a sudden under uh what are they undergraduate? Underclassman. Uh, Underclassman. Yeah. Uh, so, very attractive sophomore girl is uh in that we had that stupid open classroom deal, right? <laughs> Where that was some some hippie thought that was the new way to learn. Yeah, the new way to be distracted from your own teacher. (laughs) And here's this gorgeous girl one class over, so uh, I needed her attention. Um, So I started singing. One is the loneliest, staring right at her, and um, she embarrassed much more easily than I did. And so she would come talk to me just to get me to, to be quiet. Singing. Yeah. yeah. So next time I saw her in the cafeteria, I started singing and she had to come up. Uh, we went to the prom together and ah. ended up being very good friends. Oh, um, that's very oh, that's nice. Very nice. So, so, that's cool. Did she listen to our podcast? I doubt it. She's uh. a very busy attorney. Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after after I, dating me for a little while, so she decided she needed to make it on her own. I'm assuming threw her hat up. That You're, was the uh, Three Dog Night version. Three Dog Night version. This it did not start with a dial
0: tone. This
3: version is, I think, so much significantly better than that Three Dog Night version. Well, it's about what it's about. Yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah. I love it, it, that sparseness. That that upright bass and the cello comes in, and it's just yeah. that, that I guess that's Larry Natchell playing that the bass staccato no I think it's no the bass is done by the other guy okay I think he's playing that staccato um, piano piano part or I guess that's a Wurlitzer or I can't well, there's tell
3: a it. yeah there's a harpsichord yeah a harpsichord, harpsichord a, comes in there's a flute in, yeah. there's strings which, which, there's which one's doing bass? the dial tone I don't know. So let's talk about that. So Harry Nielsen's the story he says is he was calling somebody and he got a busy signal. That's
2: what it is, busy signal.
3: And for those of you who are too young to know what a busy <laughs> signal is, when you used to dial a phone number and the phone line was otherwise engaged, you would get a busy signal. So he's listening to this and this busy signal is going and he's, he, he stays on the phone listening to the busy signal and writes this song. Yeah. That's and a remarkable it, story if it's true. It starts with the
2: it starts with the I mean it sounds like a anyone our age recognizes that um Yeah. that busy signal. And, and again your girlfriend's talking to some other guy. What what's the
0: the no is the loneliest experience? I don't like that line. Why? I don't know. No is the loneliest experience.
3: Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. If you go up to a don't, girl and don't you don't ask pretend, pretend out like and yeah. she says
2: no to you. JM saying, Oh, what's that
0: like? Oh, I've I've never, never nobody's ever
3: said, said no to no me before. To me, yeah. I guess I'll just means. have to trust y'all. Um, but but again, you know, the the, the cards are again him. He writes he records think, this incredible version of the song and and then it doesn't do anything, and a year later, Three Dog Knight grabs it and it ends up being what, what That was huge. Like, what was it? It was a number four, I think. Number five. It was number five for Three Dog Night. So Jeez. that yeah.
2: and, and they but, but that's what they did is they uh they ignored the meaning of it and made and took advantage of an well, attractive tune and then put their pipes
3: behind it. To to a certain extent, yeah. I, I feel like that's what he did to the Badfinger song. He three dog night the badfinger song. Mm.
0: A bit. I won't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. There's no. a lot of people that I know that just absolutely. I mean, that yeah.
3: I mean, his vocals are incredible on that song. I don't. I'm not knocking that, but he does. It is. Yeah. It is sort of over the top. That's. Uh, it yeah. is. And it is. That's, that's the what fault it
4: needs of, to be. That's
2: the fault of his. <laughs> his voice. It, his voice distracts from the song, but um, which is. Not everybody can do
3: that. It's when you hear this version for the first time, having had that three dog night version beamed into your head for your whole life. It's it's almost uh, I don't know what kind of experience. I don't want to say it's religious lonely. experience, it's, but it's, it's it much feels, lonely. Well, it's so, yeah, it's so sparse. It is, and it, and you get as you said, it Doug. It, you get the song. He does with the song what it's about. It's about the loneliness. Yeah. Three and you dog get to, night. You get to hear good.
4: him
2: with his voice. Pulling it all in, his voice steals the show on the song. And, oh yeah, but but the thing is, he done, he, he's he's able to moderate what he. I know he because he's there.
0: got an amazing
3: he's, voice. There's, there's a and there's a quiver in it on the song. in it, and he's he's hitting he in his lower register. But he also it's does it's the hard falsetto. for people to do both of these. It's hard yeah. for them to do.
2: The power singer. No, he's 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 like Sinatra. Sinatra's the power singer. If he tried to do this. It would flop because he can't do the, the quiet, yeah. soft thing. Yeah. Um, Jamie, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. What's mm-hmm. a three dog night? I don't know. What is a three dog night? Tony?
3: I have no idea.
2: Well, it's a saying. Now, I bet our Canadian friends who we love very much know this one, but that's when it's so cold, you let three dogs sleep with you to oh. keep you warm. Oh, three yes, dog night. That's right. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I forgot um, about that, yeah. We don't have that kind Of night here in Austin, <laughs> no, no, we have a no dog night. <laughs> we, uh, we go get, that, we dog did out last get year. that dog out. Oh, we did, yeah. yeah. We had a 10 dog night had, last year. We had two weeks of uh, a whole pack,
0: yeah. All right, moving on to the next to last song, The Wailing of the Willow.
1: Love,
0: like a sense of
1: humor, it laughs
0: People cry. To me, this is the other soundtrack piece, or, or it should have been. I mean, it's got all the bomb bombs in
3: it and the voice and all that. I, I, don't, I, th- I don't think you can, uh, it sounds, uh, if I can take uh, umbrage at that, it sounds dismissive of a song that lyrically is pretty amazing. It's a, it's the most bleak outlook on what love is about on an, sure. almost any song I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, you know, love is only happy making people miserable, according to Harry Nielsen in the song. But uh, right, I don't know. I think I think that's a little dismissive to say. I get it. I get it. You guys don't have the same love for his vocal acrobatics that I do in terms it of. It might the be an
2: age but. deal, though. It might. Yeah, it, I think we may have lived through more of those movies than you did. Yeah, I think we did. And And I'm going to say it again. It's not fair. Were you well,
3: born in the 70s? I was born in 1970. Okay. Jam. I was. I'm two years older than you. Okay. Well, so uh, I don't know what. Of, cheesy movies you did. <laughs> i guess so one last thing i want to
0: say about uh this song the wailing of the Will- the willows this seems there's lots of bomb bombs um bomb bombs it it could have been covered by a brazilian jazz band i think a giberto uh what's his name who did uh, girl from empanema it, the, the, this guy could have done that song, and it would have. And she could have sang it. It,
3: it, it has that feeling too. I love it. it, it it's it great. I, I, I. It is the second song. It's the where new he, thing. It's the second song where he uses the willow to express this. This kind of give personification of immense sorrow. Yeah. Um. What, why? Willows are always. Well, associated weeping, with yeah, weeping willows. willows. Well, they're yeah. always been over. Yeah. Dragging the water. And they haven't been to they're Seems either keeping. they're either very sad or they're evil cuz the willow and the hobbit yeah i mean not in the hobbit lord of the rings is evil lord and the then rings, the yeah. the, is that
2: the one that tries to get the hobbits and then mr bombadil comes yes. and tells him what it, it them. is yep. and then Greatest
3: in, character in all literature and, and then the uh, and then in, left out of all the movies and then in harry potter the wacking willow or womping willow i should say is um, also I an don't evil know about harry potter's over there with land of the lost harry <laughs> potter is essentially a rip off of lord of the rings hence the willow yeah yeah well you just hate women.
2: All right. Do I? So let's move on to Speaking the. Speaking of women. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the last song, Bath.
1: I'm going home to take my bath, but I'll be back again. Yeah, I'm leaving here this morning with a smile upon my face. Begin to think there's hope for the. Be-
3: The song, and it's a I, good song. It is a great way to end this it's album. It's a great song it's a, to end it's the a album. High, it's a high point. It's full of energy. Yep. Well, the guy's happy because he just spent the night in a brothel, right? Well, yeah. Um, who wouldn't you know. be? <laughs> <laughs> I just joy just I, I, I think I think it's interesting. Everyone makes a big deal out of a certain line in the song getting past the quote unquote censors, but it's not like this song was played on the radio, so it's not that yeah, big a deal. Who, who are the
2: censors? Yeah, yeah. Who are The it's guys like, coming to your house and yeah. chop it off of your album.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it's just got a. It's just a little jokey double entendre. I love his
0: vocals on this. Too. I do too.
2: It's They're so so jaunty and. But this is just. <laughs> This is another one where I'm really wondering. Uh, he sounds like he, he's, it reminds me of uh, the uh, Oracles in Odyssey with the uh, wife coming out of prison. He sounds that happy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And <laughs> I think, does anyone ever leave? What, we fell asleep in the bath.
3: And now he's popping out. No, no, no. Out. He's going to take a bath. Oh, well, he needs one. He does. That's yeah. the point. He spent all night in a brothel, so he's got to go wash up and go back. Right. Um, he's
0: going to feel great when he's
3: done. He's so this smoked. is this is one they of don't the make songs... make enough baths for that. This is <laughs> one of the songs where I can find a direct line between the stuff I listen to now, the power pop I listen to now, and, the, and Harry Nielsen. This song has yeah. all the elements, although very short... Elements of all There's that stuff. I a love a minute
0: the 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 songs a minute long and then it's, it goes into that weird. Do I could do I could yeah. do
3: I love that I, I do too I, I love this might have gotten past the censors too <laughs> the to do what I could do yeah well I mean if uh, if um Roger Miller can do it why can't uh, <laughs> why can't Harry Nilsson yeah but yeah that's it's it's a, it's a great send off it's a fantastic way to end the album um. On a high note, yeah. there's hope for the human race. Well, yeah. uh, that's a little <laughs> cynical, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit bit no, of a
0: cynical uh, uh, take. But I like. I um, It's a nice way to. It, it kind of redeemed. If had they ended it with uh, the the wailing of the willow, I might have been a little. You, bit, c- you
3: couldn't. This yeah. song, this album had to end with. Well, a it song had to like end this. kind of the way it began. Exactly. It right. Should
2: have ended with a cowboy. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah, okay. Uh, if, I you want to talk, you, if you yeah. want to talk about the the way the songs were laid out, I don't disagree with that. But where's Todd Rundgren? <laughs> Minus that, this is a great way to end the album. Yeah, I agree. I, I I immediately want to flip it over. I know you guys probably maybe don't feel that way, but um, as soon as the song's over with, especially with the tap dancing thing, I was like, oh, that's right. We need to turn it back over and listen well, to some more Well, I'll be tapping. honest
0: with you. I actually did that the first time I heard it, I was oh, well, going to be kind of difficult for me to get through this. And then I same sort of deal. I, I listened to it again. I
3: turned it over immediately and I listened to it, I guess three times today. I was, My youngest daughter was humming along with one of these songs or humming one of these songs today. And I said, I thought you didn't, cause they, I listen to these albums when we're, we're doing them in the house and they always say, Oh, is this your next album? And then they make some derogatory comment about whatever I'm listening to. Um, and I said, I thought you didn't like this. She goes, Man, it's growing on me.
0: Yeah, I know. It, it's it's a little bit disconcerting at first because some of the lyrics are a little bit jarring. And and some of the, you know, again, S- I'm the, talking the about scats, the uh, scatting and uh, trying to sound like a trumpet. It's points. probably
2: uh, the scatting is probably what a Yankee feels like when he hears Bob saying, ha, all over <laughs> his song.
3: The scatting does not bother me. I, I love know. it. I love it. I'm going to say it over and over again. It does not bother me. We're never going to say it.
2: The scatting
0: was was, uh, growing on me. I'll put it that way. But I usually don't like it. Even when Ella Fitzgerald is probably my favorite singer in the world does scatting, it it
2: drives me a little bit batty. batty. Scatty batty. Well, well, the thing I feel like at the end of this album is to hear one of the bonus tracks that I've been hearing for a long time since I was very young, and (laughs) I didn't know it was him. No guesses? No people let me tell you about my best friend oh, oh wow i yeah. used to watch uh the courtship of eddie's father eddie's in the father, afternoons yeah. with yeah. bill bigsby before he got angry and turned green yeah
3: yeah 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 nielsen yeah. uh yeah
2: it was girlfriend and then they turned it into uh yeah that song ironically about a father and son yeah <laughs> which i think somebody pointed out that maybe the girlfriend was about that to begin with <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I guess every song he writes, somebody's going to be suspicious you, about that.
3: Weren't you, weren't you, at, didn't you tell me at one point that you were a big fan of The Point as well as a kid? Well, that's, um, that's my very earliest exposure.
2: Um, and did you see it when it was on TV or originally on ABC? I don't know if I saw it originally, but I did see it on TV. So, and, just- but I, my, you know, I've talked about this guy before. His dad had that huge collection Yeah, of yeah, albums. Yeah, the guy on the drag. So um, he had the point, and we listened to uh,
3: that record over and over again,
2: especially Me and My... Well, that
3: was, the, the, I guess, the hit on that album, yeah. right? Me and My... So real quick, for those of you who aren't aware, we're talking about, uh, I guess, what, a multimedia thing that Harry Nilsson... Uh, concocted it was yeah, a soundtrack I, I'm and a I'm suspicious it was one of those things that weird. followed jello submarine where
2: everybody wanted to do a Well, the sort of kid the, sto- the
3: story or. was he dropped some acid and it came to him He thought it was the world's longest or biggest pun point of view point of sale point of this point of that And it's it's a it's a movie slash soundtrack that harry nielsen uh, You know wrote And it aired on ABC. Originally, I want to say Dustin Hoffman did the narration. He played the dad in it. It's a a story of a dad telling a story to a kid. And the story is about this town where everyone has a a pointed head, except for this one kid named Oblio, who has a round head. And it's a story about tolerance and all of that stuff. I won't get into a whole lot of it. But... um, but it was completely... Um, it's The the ending screws the whole thing up because
2: instead of everyone learning that round-headed people are just fine, he ends up with a point.
3: Right. Which seems to but miss th- the point. Don't they all end up with a round head, though? Don't they all lose their points or someone loses their point? I don't know. It's that, been a while since i It's I've not seen clear,
2: it. no. but uh, It's not clear, but they do. Some lose their point and he has...
3: It's a soundtrack, it? oh, and if you listen to the album it's interspersed with narrative bits from the film. Right. He's telling the story of the film uh, what what's what's the other interesting thing is so Dustin Hoffman did the original, and I think he did it gratis. he did not get paid to do the narration, but in subsequent versions, Ringo Starr plays a dad. all the other voice characters are the same, and they just switch up Ringo Starr is star. a dad, and then another one uh, uh Alan thick <laughs> is the dad so um Anyway, you're right. It probably was piggybacked on the Yellow Submarine. Um, I'd recommend it uh, if you
2: haven't seen it. Uh, <clears throat> go ahead and keep it that way. It's not that bad,
3: but it's not worth an hour and a half. I don't think. I think it's like I think it's less than that. But you're right. I mean, but the the I think the soundtrack's fun. Is it? Oh parts. well, I, you know that's one of those
2: soundtracks that got in so early in my life. That I wasn't a critic yet.
3: Well, I mean, it's got the songs on it, and then it's got Nielsen telling the little story right. bits in it, and it's 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 fun to listen to. I just realized that the cover was needle point. It was. I hadn't thought about that.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's
3: a, probably a thousand more puns like that. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, and the other, just briefly, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know. So let me ask you this before we get into this. Do we want to do our rating and then talk about the history or do we want no, to we do history first? Yeah, you, do this, the history. you just going to have to go like
2: a uh,
3: <laughs> so, um, fire engine. Okay. So since we talked about the point, the other thing, the other sort of, he, there are other films that Harry Nielsen has been involved in. The first one was done at the same time that, of the album. We're talking about tonight. Ariel ballet is a movie called Skidoo.
1: If I could find a place I'd take you where the pain don't catch you like a knife if only there
3: were time. And it was an auto primager film and it I'm not going to even name all of the people in it. But a lot of people, sorry. It's He's got Groucho cra- cra- Marx plays God. It's got all oddly enough it's got all the Batman villains in it. It's got uh Gorsham who played the Riddler, um uh Burgess Meredith who played the Penguin, um Cesar Romero. Romero played the Joker. They're all in this film. Um anyway, it was a it's an awful film by all accounts, but uh Harry Nilsson does the soundtrack to it and the, the probably the best song on it is that he sings the end credits and it's it's fantastic it's really really fun and playful and uh
1: jackie gleason was tony banks carol channing flow Frankie Avalon, Angie, Fred Clark, a tower guard, Michael Constantine, Leach, Frank Gorshin.
3: On that Playboy thing I talked about, Otto Preminger is also on that. And it's hilarious because he's wearing like a blue turtleneck with a big medallion around his neck. He looks he he couldn't look more 1968 if you tried. <coughs> but anyway, and then uh, he was he was also involved in a film in 1974 that was uh, produced by Apple Corps. Um, that starred Harry Nielsen as the son of Count Dracula, call, and the movie was called The Son of Dracula. And Ringo Starr stars as Merlin, the magician or the uh, the wizard in it. And all again, for all accounts, it's a horrible, horrible film. <laughs> but uh, it's got some pretty amazing music in it, and and uh, Son of Dracula's got a band. And in it, uh, the band alternates between Keith Moon on drums and John Bonham on drums. <laughs> uh, Peter Frampton's in the band. Leon yeah. Russell's in the band. And then Bobby Keys and Jim Price, who were the horn section for the Stones, are also in the yeah. band. So uh, I'll put a clip of one of the songs on the website. It's That movie's definitely not worth watching. It's It's atrocious. I tried to watch it, and it's unwatchable. Um,
2: is, is, is the thing about Keith Moon dying in his London apartment true?
3: Yes, he and, and Ma, Mama, Mama. Mama Cass both died in that apartment. A weird. Wow. So he that's had bought, a weird. He thing. when he when he hooked up with the Beatles early on, who oddly enough, going back to Skidoo, Otto Preventure paid for his flight over to the UK to meet the Beatles the first time. Um, he bought meet an the a, Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. He bought an apartment. Uh, down the road from someplace close to them. And in that place is where Mama Cass and uh, Keith Moon both died. Jeez.
2: So don't stay there if you're doing the bread and breakfast. Right. And
3: then the last movie I want to talk about is Popeye.
0: Oh yeah, he did the soundtrack he did the to soundtrack
3: Popeye? to the musical. So Robert Altman. <laughs> Robert Altman made a musical version, live action version of Popeye, starring Ro- Robin Williams as Popeye and Shelley Duvall as Olive Oil. The role she was born to play. I'm yeah, right pretty much. But uh, it again a horrible
0: film. <laughs> oh my god! It's un- even even when I was. 14 years old when it came out, I was unwatchable.
3: You knew something was up when Popeye has an aversion to eating spinach in it. How is that a thing? How's that a plot point? But whatever, I won't, I I digress, but um, the soundtrack's kind of interesting and there's a, there's a version of it with him doing all the demos on it. That's actually fairly listenable. Um, But the movie in general is pretty bad. And it was, it also was a box office tank. He did have some uh, movie experience. So, Because of Midnight Cowboy and the success of Everybody's Talking, there's some interest in Harry Nielsen's back catalog. And so he decides that instead of just re-releasing his first two albums on RCA, he decides to combine them into an album called Aerial Pandemonium Ballet, which he goes in and remixes some of the songs and re-records the vocals. And I'm here to tell you, in my personal opinion, it ain't worth it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. There was nothing wrong with any of the songs on either of those first two albums. I'm not sure why. At at the point that he re-records this, his voice is already a little bit more ragged than it sounds. So the vocals aren't anywhere near as good as they are on the originals. It's a weird thing. And, And the remix is the songs are they don't really flow with the exception of it's actually got 1941 and daddy song back to back. That's it's one shining moment. Cause those two songs obviously work together. Well, in
1: 1941, a happy father had a son. And by 1944, the father walks right out the door. And in 45, the mom and son were still alive. But who could tell in 46, if the two were to survive, well, the
3: years were, but overall, it's, it's, it's kind of, a, in my opinion, a wasted effort. Um, he d- then he records this album, Harry, which is my second favorite album of his. And that one has the cover of Mr. Bojangles on it. It also has Randy, the first Randy Newman song he did, which is Simon Smith and the American Dancing Bear. He covers that on that mm-hmm. album to the point where he's so fascinated with Randy Newman. The very next album he does is Nielsen Sings Newman, which we talked about. Then comes the Bicky. Nielsen Schmielsen, Nielsen Schmielsen, which is 1971. It's the album he does with Richard Perry, who was kind of this superstar Stringale producer at the time. To, he brought, he, yeah, he,
0: Carly he, Simon. He and, made a
3: star out of Tiny Tim. He yeah. brought Barbara Streisand back because she was wallowing in obscurity to a weird way, and he brought her back, brought her career back. Anyway, they create this album that's everybody's on everybody's list. Um, I've talked already briefly about the opening track, "Got to Get Up."
1: the morning
3: which is fantastic it also has the, this Badfinger finger song without you, I can't is without you. I can't I can't. brief story about that he heard that at a party and thought it was a Beatles song or a, a solo Beatles song he didn't know it was a Badfinger song he looked he only heard the word you in it. So we went on this wild goose chase to find a Beatles song with you. He ended up finding out it was a Badfinger song. And he records it. He's recording it in Trident Studio at the same time Badfinger is recording they're recording an album as well. And Nielsen brings them in to listen to without you and it blows Pete Ham away. Um he's like this wow. is what this is what we should have done with this song. We just didn't have the guts to do it. You know, if you've heard the song, his voice is amazing on it. Oh, yeah. But it was in a different key originally, and and according to Harry Nielsen, the first key they tried it in, he nearly blew a hemorrhoid out singing it. That's a quote from him. <laughs> and so they had to change the key. Um, also an interesting thing was originally Rick Wakeman was the, the, keyboardist? the keyboardist on it, and it huh. just wasn't working, so they knocked him out and got Gary Wright of the of Dreamweaver
4: fame. Yeah. Ooh, dream.
3: to play keys on it and gary wright actually plays on a lot of harry nielsen stuff yeah Um, and
2: uh george harrison yeah he was in that circle
3: and he ends up winning another grammy for best vocal performance for that song in 1973 um so that album sort of for most people who are not super familiar with harry nielsen they do know that album and that's that's the one they 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 always go to yeah um in between that's that album and his next album he ends up doing this pretty amazing bbc special you know we talked about him not playing live any but he ends up getting some studio time in the bbc and he creates this sort of for use a term of modern day vernacular a meta performance where it's kind of a making fun of the fact that he doesn't like playing live and there's these little skits there's this great visual of him sitting at a piano playing a song with three different versions of himself. It's yeah, great. I'll, I'll try it. to put that it, on the then website, he's too. he's in the
2: audience falling asleep. Like, everybody else. He is.
3: <laughs> it's, re- it's really great. Um, <clears throat> then he records, the uh, next couple albums are Son of Schmielsen. The next album he does is A Little Touch of Schmielsen, which is a collection of American standards. I mean, this guy was trying, it, it seems almost intentionally trying to deport, d- d- to torpedo his career. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, finally, I want to talk about Pussycats, which is a 1974 album he did with John Lennon. And the reason why that's an important album is because not only is it because of the one he did with John Lennon, but at some point in the in the recording of this, the two of them decide to have a match to see who could have the most um, guttural self-destructive wail. And so they're having a screaming contest. Somebody knows notices after one of Nielsen's screams that there's blood on the microphone. He ends up being hospitalized. Jeez, Mickey Dolans picks him up. He, he tells the story about going to pick him up with a bottle of brandy, gets him out of the hospital. His voice was never the same after that. He essentially killed his voice recording Screaming that with, with uh, John Lennon. Josh John Lennon. Um, a brief aside, these guys well, he's
2: smoking nonstop and drinking nonstop, too.
3: He is. I mean, his voice had already sort of taken a turn towards a deeper register, but but this this killed it. This right. killed it. Um, You see blood on a mic, you know you've done some damage to your vocal cords, right? Yeah. Um, The other weird thing about Lennon, which I think is funny, is the two of them got kicked out of the troubadour for heckling the Smothers Brothers. Yeah. When Lennon got assassinated, it had a profound effect on Harry Nielsen. He ended up... um, Basically retiring. Sort of retiring and devoting his life to trying to gun control stuff going on. Cause he felt that, that was a necessary thing a lot to of work videos on
0: videos of him holding up
3: signs and in his final year of life. And he ends up performing in Vegas with the Ringo star all-star band doing a version of without you. Obviously his voice wasn't quite the same, but his uh, ball accounts was a pretty moving Version that same year, he plays at Beetle and does the same thing or does a, or performs that version live, yeah. um, and he ends up having a heart attack.
0: And it was Dustin Hoffman who announced it.
3: At- oh, he did at the uh, he was at a um, an awards, award he was show, an award show. show. I forgot yeah. about that. He's in an award show talking about so important to us. We might point out that we we never miss one. <laughs> And yeah, he he comes out on stage and says that and yeah, announces Harry that Harry Nilsson died. died yeah. yeah, I mean it's you know it's not really a fair. This guy's life, his touched. life is just phenomenal, and it's well, it's, it's it's
2: sad. It's sad. His production is phenomenal. His life, I didn't see anything nice. Well, about he's his he's self destructive,
3: almost almost from the get go. A lot to do yeah. with
2: why I think it's not a happy life. Any bit of fame, he didn't know how to deal with. Yeah all right you're so the, you're hosting jam you don't ask us you tell, us we're, tell ready. us we're ready
0: all right so i'm telling you we're ready
2: uh doug i knew i was gonna have to go first um all right so uh my critical opinion we're talking about a talented songwriter uh, it's, uh tony said effortless and that's how it seems of course a lot of songwriters don't agree when people think that, but it does seem like an effortless uh, songwriter with a pretty profound imagination who is really outside of what you're used to hearing. Um, and we're talking about one, one of the most remarkable voices of, of, the, of his time. Uh, I, I give this critically, i give it a four or five uh, on, a, on a more personal level. He writes a whole bunch of songs about things I don't care about, and the the rhymes, the rhyme scheme. I think this is the second time I've had a problem with the rhyme scheme, so it's probably my problem. Um, I had, I had a little difficulty with that, and at some point, some of the songs they they sound too much like others of the songs. I think that's why I like uh, the uh, album right before this a little bit better because it seems like there was a, a wider variety uh, this seemed to fall into a, a production track um so personally i give it a three five i'm gonna take uh, a lot of the blame for that not being higher i'm gonna say those are personal personal things some of them include the the trappings that come at this period of time that jm mentioned with the the old uh, the old movies that we watch too many of on Saturday <laughs> afternoon when you should have been outside.
0: All right, Doug. Thanks. Uh, I'll go next. Um, so, as you know, we give two ratings: the critic rating, our cold hard critic rating, and then our our personal opinion. Like, how likely are we to listen to the album again? My critic rating is going to be the same as Dougs I'm gonna give it a four or five I think this is a landmark album I think there are many things about it that herald what is to come and in, in popular music um I think he was absorbing the the American songbook probably better than just about anyone other than you know even better than Paul McCartney he was in even better than like um, Randy Newman. The songs are remarkably constructed. Um, the the playing is excellent. The arrangement there, there's really it's flawless in its execution, which is something I always look for. And I'm going to agree with Doug personally. Um, I'm going to give it a three five. Um, there are songs on this that I know that I would love to hear again. My three five rating is is with a caveat because every time I listen to this album, I uh, started liking it more. So Tony, you picked this album, I did, and uh, so we're anxious to hear what your rating is on this.
3: Uh, I'm gonna go critic first, and you guys will be surprised. I agree with you. I think it's a four or five, I, and the reason why I feel that way is because of the hit on it. I love the song, everybody's talking, but it stands out like a sore thumb on the rest of this album. It's a great song that does not belong on this album, unlike doug who who talks about Pandemonium Shadow Show being more you know varied and this sounding kind of the same. I think that's the strength of this album and 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 I think that that song moves away from the strength of every other song on this album which to me fits like a glove. So I'm gonna give it a four five critically. I'm gonna give this a four eight, unlike you guys with the three five. I love this album. I um I obsessively listened to it when I discovered it. Um I don't ever get tired of it. I will say that I find myself sometimes when I'm singing the songs, feeling a little down. (laughs) So that may be, that may be why it's not a five. Um, Even, even up your own words, Tony, even the, even everybody's talking, which I don't think fits on this album. I love that song. Uh, So I'm not going to knock it for my, for my personal choice because of that. So I'm going to give it a four, eight, but um, yeah, this is, uh, this to me is Harry Nielsen firing on all cylinders it's it's remarkable in its consistency. Um, what he does with his voice on this album yeah. is incredible. Um, as we've talked about before, the sparseness on it is, is I think, works. Um, I actually like kind of the weird duality of most of the songs. Again, um, I think all of that is fantastic. So yeah, 4-8. All
0: right. So we're at the point where... We're uh, trying to connect with the kids <laughs> and the, the youngest member of our, uh, this is spinal tap crew is uh, Tony. So we always look to him for uh, uh, the latest recommendations. So Tony, you got a recommendation for us. I do.
4: All right. Um,
3: when I was trying to think about what I wanted to talk about tonight as a recommendation, I kept going back to the same artist and his name is Linus of Hollywood. Um, he's a power pop guy. Surprise, surprise. Right. But he's got A whimsy to him that stands out Kind of head and shoulders above The rest of the stuff I listen to And he released an album in 2018 Called Cabin Life um, It's it's a really great album The title track Cabin Life is is fantastic Listen most of the songs aren't great it, it, it vacillates between kind of mellower more acoustic songs and some kind of heavy duty guitar pop rockers um, but cabin life is great snow day is great um, until you said goodbye is one of the rockier numbers on it which really kind of stands out to me um, but this um, he's released several albums this is his most recent one I would check it out. It's good stuff if you like uh, if you like whimsical sunny the sunny side of power pop this is your this is your bag.
0: All right, Tony. Well, thank you very much. So we've come to the end of another podcast. There's many ways to get in touch with us. You can go to our website, tappingvinyl.com. You'll find all sorts of good stuff up there. You can leave us a review and uh, you can find uh, more information about some of the bands and albums that we've talked about in previous episodes you can also download our latest episode. We're on Twitter at Tapping Vinyl, and you can visit our Facebook group page, and you can also email us at tappingvinyl at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to be doing an album by Tom Petty, his 1985 release, Southern Accents. You don't come around here no more. Don't come around here no more For our host, Doug Cooper Our co-host, Tony Slagle And me, your humble producer Jonathan J. M. Rowe This is Vinyl Tap Where all the podcasts go to 11 And reminding you One is the loneliest number